Hey guys, thank you for listening to Sandy Creek Stirrings. Just a very quick reminder before today's episode, do not forget, on October 9th, we have an interview episode with Dr. Scott Cottle, President and Director of Macedonia World Baptist Missions. I am so excited for that episode. I'm sure you are too. Don't forget, we're giving away two of his CDs by drawing. You can go to our Facebook page and leave us a review, share a post, and do a couple different things as defined on Facebook. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts to get your name put in for the drawing to win one of those autograph CDs. So it's going to be a great episode, October 9th. Don't forget, here's today's episode. And if you're going to win souls, you've got to love souls. In spite of their meanness, in spite of the way they look, in spite of everything, you've got to seek to bring souls to Jesus Christ because you love them, because Jesus loved them, and because Jesus died for them, and you're trying to bring them the Son of God. Welcome to Sandy Creek Stirrings. Glad to have you join me this morning. Before we get into our actual episode topic this morning, a listener sent in a question, and I would like to take time to answer that. They sent it in through our contact page on our website, and you can do the same. Go to sandycreekstirrings.com, go to our contact link, and all you have to do is just enter in your question, and we'll do our best to answer it as soon as it comes in. Great question this morning, though, from one of our listeners. They said, if when having a general religious conversation... And someone mentions a different version of the Bible than the KJV. Do you think something should be said? And if so, what would you recommend? I read this question to my wife, and she thought, wow, that is a good question. I thought the same thing, and so I want to answer it this morning. Thank you for sending it in. Wonderful question. Now, for those of you who faithfully listen... You know that we just released, uh, over the past three Tuesdays, we released a three-part series on Bible versions. And I'm, I'm guessing that's where this question comes from. And so, great question. I want to answer that. If you remember, when we talked about in our second episode we ever did, we did Intro to Apologetics, and we talked about defending your faith and the timing of defending your faith. That's really what this question has to do about. Um, the KJV Bible is a very important part of our faith. And so we have to defend it. And so I think when we go back to that episode on Intro to Apologetics and talk about timing, I think is the most critical part of this question, because it's, should something be said? I want to read to you a verse we read in that Intro to Apologetics lesson. We said, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 25, "...in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth." We talked about that word meekness. Not only does it mean to do it in a humble spirit, but it also means to do it in the timing or in God's timing. And that's such a critical part. And so I don't think there is a straight across answer for this question. I believe that there is a different response for each different situation. And so unfortunately, I can't just give you an answer. Now, maybe if you want to define the type of situation, we can go into that. But in general, across the board, there is no blanket answer to give somebody. I think the most important thing you realize is when talking to somebody about any subject, but this is talking about the King James Bible, I think the most important thing to realize is to do it through the guiding hand of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes he will have you say something. And I firmly believe sometimes he won't. Because sometimes he knows it's not the right time for it. And so I think it's very critical. I don't think there is any blanket answer across the board. I think you answer as you feel God would have you to. 
That's the most important thing, folks. When talking to people about biblical things, about things of God, you have to make sure the Holy Spirit is active and involved in your life. If you've got sin in your life, He cannot lead you and guide you and guide your words the way that that the way that He needs to. So, to me, that is the most important aspect of that question. Sometimes, the Holy Spirit will lead you to say something about it. Sometimes, the Holy Spirit won't. It really just depends on the situation. A lot of the times, though, what I found is the Holy Spirit would lead me into situations to where I could talk about the King James Bible. That's a subject I really enjoy, a subject I've really done a lot of study on, something that I'm okay with talking to people about. There's some subjects I'm a little nervous because I don't know a whole lot about it. This subject I'm a little bit more comfortable with. And I found the Holy Spirit would often use it, even with my coworkers at work, leading into talking about the King James Bible. I can't tell you the number of my employees that I was able to talk about the King James Bible just because the Holy Spirit led the conversation. And so I really think it's important. Just remember, follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And if you do, he'll tell you when to respond and when not to respond. And then the second thing as far as what would you say, what would you recommend, it really depends on what they're asking, what was said. And so I think the most important thing is just load up your arsenal, load up your quiver full of arrows, and no, we're not trying to kill anybody, but we do want some quote-unquote ammo to give to them. All right, and so you want to load up your wagon full of stuff ready to go to give an answer. And the most important thing you can do is just study and become aware of the different things revolving around the King James Bible and other translations. And I believe in that time, God will give you when to say and what to say at the right time. And so I hope that answers your question and wonderful question. Thank you for sending it in. But for now, here's today's episode. You know, I have a confession to make this morning. I am a food junkie. I am a food junkie. I mean, I like food. Um, If you were to ask me what my favorite food is, what do you think it would be? What do you, you, in your opinion, what do you think my favorite food would be? I'll give you a second to think about it. My favorite food is just a down-home, greasy burger. I mean, I love burgers. I don't think you can get more American than just a good cheeseburger. And by the way, when I'm talking cheese on the burger, I'm not talking about just American cheese. You know, is that even cheese? It's probably like plastic melted down and and colored to look like cheese. And I'm talking about like sliced cheddar cheese or sliced pepper jack, you know, good cheese, you know, actual cheese, stuff that tastes like cheese. And so you get yourself a a good American cheeseburger. I don't know if there's anywhere better than when you come along and you're driving through some small little American town and there on the side of the road is like a 10 by 10 little kitchen, little drive through burger shop. And they give you the burgers in a brown paper sack and there's grease dripping out the bottom. I mean, the bag is falling apart by the time you get home because of all the grease. I mean, talk about just a heart attack, but talk about amazing food. I mean, now let me tell you this. Here in High Springs, Florida, if you ever come to High Springs, Florida to visit um, uh, our church, you are in for a treat because right down here we have one of those, it's like a 20 by 20 little drive through burger place. It's called Bev's Better Burgers. And Talk about a good burger. So if you happen to be driving through High Springs, let me give you what you should order at Bev's Better Burgers. Here's what you order. You order a double-double, all-the-way 
all the way. And if you like bacon, you can add bacon on top of it. Now, you say, what is that? Well, that is local lingo, okay? You know, so uh, I feel cool every time I go there because I know the local lingo, how to order the burger. And uh, But you order a double-double. The double-double is two patties, two pieces of cheese, and then you say double-double all the way is lettuce, tomato, onion, and then the second all the way is ketchup, mustard, and mayo. Yeah. So you order a double-double all the way, all the way, and you can add bacon on there, get a fry and a large sweet tea, and be prepared for a heart attack. I mean, be, be, be prepared for a wonderful burger. I mean, I think it's probably the best burger that I've ever eaten, and I've eaten burgers in a lot of states across America because when we traveled as missionaries, I typically ordered burgers wherever we went. It didn't matter if it was a Mexican restaurant. I ordered burgers. And no, I like foods of all kinds, and so I'm a food junkie. I like food. I like pizza. I like burgers. I like, I'm just a food, oh, what's a good term for? I'm a food connoisseur. And yes, that sounds very fancy. I'm a food connoisseur. And you know, one of the most difficult things I struggled with when we went overseas was the food. I don't know if you know this or not, but people don't eat the same way we do as in America. And uh, down in St. Bart's, it was different. In Quebec, Canada, it was different. I mean, in Quebec, they did this thing called potage. And uh, basically, it was like broccoli that they creamed. And it was like broccoli cream soup. And uh, I'm not a huge soup guy. To me, soup is an appetizer. And uh, there's some people who love soups. Now, I'll eat stew as a main meal, but, you know, I'm a typical American. You need a biscuit and cornbread or either or. and uh, Or you could have both. I mean, that'd be really good if you had both. But, um, you know, they so they ate potage and they ate uh, some other stuff. And, you know, there were some good things up there as well. I mean, talk about poutine. Uh, if you've ever been to Canada... You, you hopefully you know what poutine is, or else you missed out. Poutine is is a, a big thing of fries with gravy and cheese curds on top. I mean, how that is not in America, like a huge American tradition, I have no idea. Because if I started poutine around here, it would catch on like wildfire. And uh, but in St. Bart's food was different. One of the most exciting events that would happen in the months we were there is once a month, my mom and I would go to get groceries on a different island. And you know where we went to lunch? We went to Burger King. And that was just a highlight for me. I mean, it was incredible. Burger King. And so, but St. Bart's, hey, the food was different. People don't eat like Americans eat in other countries. They just don't. In fact, you can tell by the way Americans are that other countries don't eat the same way we do. Now, I'm not saying this to be mean. I'm not saying this to be rude. But we lived on a tourist island when we were on the mission field. Tourists would come. Cruise ships would come. And um, I'm, I'm truly not trying to be mean. So do not take this the wrong way. But you could tell when the American cruise ship was in the port because downtown and the shops and everything, there was walking a lot of people who, they were a lot larger than other people. And so that's just the frankness of the situation. And uh, boy, but it was great. They'd be speaking English and man, I'd just go down there and we'd just talk to them just because we wanted somebody to speak English with. But the food in other countries, it's different. It's different. I mean, you talk about eating fish, you know, in America, you, you take the fish, you fillet it and you deep fry it. 
and uh, you you know you have catfish and you deep fry it and you know you have catfish nuggets or whatever you're gonna do and you know they do it a little bit different they don't deep fry it they don't fillet it they just take the whole fish they they gut it um, they clean it I guess would be a more proper term when it comes to fish and um, and then they just take it and they just broil it in the oven and the whole thing just tail fins eyeballs lips everything and uh, basically you just kind of you just get in there and try and get the meat out. And so for me, I've always been the type of guy to where when I sit down on a meal, I like for people to tell me dig in, not dig out. And so down there, you had to dig your food out. You didn't just dig in. You had to be careful because, uh, you know, it's a whole fish. And, you know, so they talk about eating the eyeballs. And my grandmother, she talks about eating the eyeballs. She grew up on that island. And uh, so... You had the whole fish. I mean, they did lots of soups down in St. Bart's. Tons and tons of soups. Why? I have no idea. Well, I do know because it's cheap. Um, you can make food stretch easier if it's in a big pot of soup. And not a whole lot of meat on the island. So I get that. But think about it. It's like 90 billion degrees down there. 90 billion. And there's no air condition. In our house, we only had air condition in the bedrooms. And so it was our sanctuary. I think one of the things that... I I wasn't a fan of in St. Bart's is when you took a shower for the day and it was like eight o'clock at night and you're sitting on your couch in the living room and you're still sweating. Oh, it was so hot. But then you have hot soup. And so that's where the part I, I don't understand. I want something cold if it's extremely hot. But they did all kinds of soups. They did pig snout soup. I mean, you dig in and, and there's a pig snout bone in there. And so they did... um. Oh man, you talk about culture shock. You know, you want some fried chicken, want some burgers, want some, want something like that. And so I remember they would fry up chicken wings and they would just pan fry them up in a little bit of oil and oh, it would smell so good. And I'd be so hungry. And then they'd take them and they'd throw them in the soup. And uh, so now you got chicken wings floating around in the soup. And so just frankly, everything they eat had bones in it, except for their bread. Everything had bones in it. And so my uncle, or it'd be my great uncle rather, he lived on the island. And uh, every time we'd sit down for a meal, he'd say, watch out for the bones, watch out for the bones. And uh, it was a joke on the island, I believe, that you needed to watch out for the bones. It didn't matter if we were eating ice cream. He'd look over and he'd say, watch out for the bones. And he would laugh and it'd be a funny joke, but watch out for the bones. Why? Because if you don't watch out for the bones, you're going to choke. You're going to die. You're going you're gonna to hurt yourself. You're going to break a tooth. It's not going to be a good scenario if you get a bone in your mouth and don't know it. And uh, so lots of food had bones in them. So it kind of leads into our topic for today. Some have asked why I will only ever recommend the preaching and teaching of those who are like me, independent fundamental Baptists. And this is not one person who has asked this. I've had a couple people ask this. Why Why do I only recommend, recommend those who are independent fundamental Baptists, those who are like me? Why do I only recommend the listening, the preaching, the teaching of those who are independent fundamental Baptists? Why do I refuse to recommend to, um, to listen to those that they have a few teachings off, but they have so much to offer in other areas? So let me say a few things as we dive into the subject, because I think it's an important question, and I think it is an important topic. Why? And by the way, I don't think it's unfair for anybody to ever ask why we do something. 
I think it's right. I think you should know. And so I appreciate those who have asked why. So let me go in and explain why my approach is that way and why I believe it is the biblical approach. Let's start off with three quick things that I want to say on the subject before we go in. Number one, yes, you can learn something from everyone and anyone. Every single person in the world can teach you a lesson in one of two ways. They can teach you how to do something, and then others will teach you how not to do something. There are lessons to be learned, folks, all around us. But it's not necessary for us to go to things that can hurt us in the long run to try and learn a lesson. For instance, I don't have to do drugs to tell you they are bad. I don't have to. I don't have to do drugs to tell you that a Christian shouldn't do them. I don't have to do drugs to tell you that anybody should do them. Nobody should do drugs because they're not good for you. They're harmful for you. They, they form bad addictions. I mean, there's a lot of things to say about drugs, but I don't have to go to drugs to tell you that you can learn a lesson from it by t- doing drugs. I don't have to drink to tell you that drinking is wrong. I don't have to go to something that can possibly hurt me to learn a lesson. Number two on this subject, though some may teach things are false, do not get me wrong, that does not necessarily make them wicked and evil in heart. I'm not saying, I have never said and I am not saying that some of these other preachers are out working for the devil. I would beg to differ. I'd beg to differ that a lot of these guys who I still can't recommend their preaching and teaching— I think in general, they have a good heart. They genuinely believe what they are saying. They believe it, it, it. it's biblical for themselves. That's what they believe. I don't necessarily think that they go into their offices and pray to Satan and offer rabbit blood as a sacrifice. I'm not saying that. They may teach some things that are false, but in the same sense, that doesn't make them necessarily completely wicked and evil in heart. Now, if they know what they're teaching is wicked, they know what they're teaching is evil, and they're doing something that's completely anti-God, which some of them are, then yes, that makes them wicked in the sight of God. But from the human perspective, I'm not saying they're completely wicked and devil worshipers at heart. A lot of them have good hearts. They have, they have things in their heart that they're trying to do right. But let me give you this. This is an important phrase. Good people, and this kind of leads into our third point, good people doing good things doesn't mean they are God's people doing God's things. Let me say that for you again. Good people doing good things doesn't mean that they are God's people doing God's things. And so sometimes, and frankly a lot of times, we get good people and godly people confused. Godly people are good people, but it doesn't mean that good people are godly people. I had people at the hardware store who worked for me. They were good people. They were friendly. They were caring. They cared about their families. That didn't make them godly, though. There is a difference. Here's the thing. Second Timothy chapter two, um, chapter 3, verse 5 says, "...having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away." God says, "...if they appear to be godly." They are a preacher. They are a teacher. They are a good Christian, but they deny the power thereof. God says we should turn away from them. In Matthew chapter 22, 29, and Mark 12, 24, by the way, they both connect in knowing the power of God and knowing Scripture together. And so as we approach the subject, we have to figure out where does God stand on this issue 
And how are we going to live our lives in accordance to what God has said? And so, yes, we have called out some names here on the podcast of people who I've, I've called out in particular areas. Let's just take Calvinism, for instance. In that particular two-part, ep- um, that two-part episode, we, um, we named some names of some known Calvinists. One of those is a very prominent man um, by the name of John MacArthur. And um, so let me give you the honest truth about John MacArthur. Um, is John MacArthur a Satan worshiper at heart? I would say no. Now, I've never met him personally, but I would say no. I think he's genuinely sincere. I think he genuinely uh, believes what he teaches, and uh, I'm not saying that he's completely wicked and evil in heart. Does he have some good things to say in some areas? Yeah, he does have some good things to say in some areas. Why then will I not recommend people to listen or adhere to or listen to the preaching or follow John MacArthur. And so let's dive into the reasons why I can't support some of these guys and recommend their listening because of some false doctrines that they teach. And if you if you missed that, we talked about some of the false things that John MacArthur believes in our Calvinism episode. You can go back. We don't have time to dive into everybody's beliefs today, but he does have some things that are a little off according to Scripture. Not my own opinion, but according to Scripture. And so that's going to lead into our first point. How do we approach this topic biblically? Well, number one, when we're examining who we should recommend to listen to and who we should not recommend to listen to, here's what we come to. Number one, if they have an area of doctrine that is not right, we should avoid them. If they have an area of doctrine that is not right, we should avoid them. The Bible sets forth a biblical principle that if we know someone who teaches contrary to sound doctrine— Sound doctrine, doctrine that stands up, biblical doctrine, if they teach opposite of that, the core teachings of God's Word, then we should avoid them. Romans 16 and verse 17 says, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them. Pick them out. Point them out. Mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. Now that doesn't say, and listen to them. And don't, don't promote them, just listen to them quietly. No, it says to avoid them. It's saying stay away from them. Paul left Timothy, of course, in Ephesus to make sure no one would teach a contrary doctrine. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3, As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus, when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Paul told Timothy to continue in the doctrine that he had learned um, from the Word of God, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 14, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. So that brings about an important discussion. What is a doctrine? A doctrine is a standard, and we'll typically define it as um, there are two types of beliefs within our system, basically. There are standards. Those are core doctrines. Those are um, extreme explicitly listed in the Word of God, and those are standards. On the other side, though, we have conviction. So what's the difference between the two? Well, a standard is something that is expressed in the Bible. It is a doctrinal belief. It is clearly outlined in the Word of God by explicit verse, by biblical principle, or by scriptural example. And so let me say that again. A standard is something that is a doctrinal belief. It is clearly outlined in the Word of God by explicit verse, by biblical principle, or by scriptural example. 
So, for instance, we know that salvation is only by Jesus Christ. John chapter 14, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And we could give a ton of other verses that Jesus is the only way to heaven. That is a standard. That is a doctrine. There is no debating that. If you go any other way, you are wrong. You may be sincere. You may be good in heart, per se, but you are wrong. You are wrong doctrinally. Let's go with another one. We know that adultery, the sin of adultery, is wicked and wrong. Exodus in the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not commit adultery. In fact, it's listed in the New Testament as well. It is a moral law. It's something with God that'll always be right or that'll always be wrong, rather. I was going to say right or wrong, but it's always wrong. And um, it's very important to make that distinction. And uh, But that is a standard. It is a doctrine. There is no way of getting around that to teach anything opposite of that is wrong. So we set a standard, and then there are convictions. What is a conviction? Well, a conviction is something that is not necessarily wrong according to Scripture, but for some, but for some people they view it as wrong for themselves and their family. Paul sets forth this example in Romans chapter 14, in verse 14. He says, I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Remember all those laws where pigs were unclean and, and all these animals were unclean and to do this was unclean and to do that was unclean according to Jewish law. And remember, God did away with those ceremonial laws of the Old Testament, um, the things that just pointed to Christ and that did away with pigs being unclean. Aren't you thankful for that? Amen. Go grab yourself a big pack of bacon. And uh, Paul said, you know, there's nothing unclean of itself. But to him that esteemeth anything clean, if something to you is unclean, if it is a sin— then it finishes to him it is unclean. Then to you it is a sin. For you to violate that in that belief in your heart, it is a sin. For instance, the pastor who trained my dad in the ministry, um, he grew up in the bars and billiard halls. And so for him and his family, they didn't play billiards. They didn't play pool. Because for him, it brought back those memories, and to him it was wrong. Now, he didn't preach against, oh, you bunch of wicked heathen playing pool, bunch of wicked heathen playing billiards. No, he didn't preach against that. But for him, it was wrong. He wouldn't do it. And if he did it to him, it would be a sin. It would be something that is unclean. That is a conviction. The Bible doesn't say, do not play billiards. There is no explicit verse for that. There is no biblical principle. There is no scriptural example. That is simply a belief he has in his heart, within his heart because of a scenario within his life. If he were to violate that, though, the Bible says to him that would be a sin. So that's the difference between a standard and a conviction. And here's why we, we apply that biblical principle to our life, and here's how we apply it to the subject. If someone teaches something that is a different conviction, it's something wrong to them, I'm not against them. I can recommend their teaching. I can recommend it. But if someone teaches something opposite of what the Bible has a clear stand on, it is a standard, it is a doctrine, then frankly, I cannot recommend them. In fact, I'm supposed to avoid them. I'm supposed to mark them. I'm supposed to stay away from them if they teach even one single doctrine that is against the Word of God. So, in our example, I cannot support that you listen to John MacArthur. 
And the reason why is because he teaches a false doctrine about Calvinism, about the predestination, about the limiting of Christ's atonement, and several other false Calvinist doctrines. He recommends a different Bible version, and we've been discussing Bible versions in our podcast. Therefore, I cannot recommend his teaching because he is violating not a conviction— but a biblical doctrine. And so if you're unsure about a, a biblical doctrine in something that we refer to as far as Calvinism, go back and listen to our Calvinism series and understand some of those beliefs. But it is a violation of a biblical doctrine, something that is explicitly wrong in Scripture. You're teaching explicitly against a biblical truth. It is not a conviction. So if it was something where the only thing John MacArthur preached against was using Facebook— uh, you know, you shouldn't use Facebook. You should be against it. If that's the only thing he preached against, and that was the only issue, then I could recommend him because Scripture isn't explicitly against using Facebook. But that's not the only thing he's teaching. He's teaching a lot more than that. So, number two, as we come to this thing, by recommending those who teach a false doctrine, I am placing the uh, false doctrine in front of baby Christians— which places a potential stumbling block in their path. Romans chapter 14 and verse 13 says that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. By putting a false teacher in front of others, I have placed in front of them the potential to fall in sure and sound doctrine. I have now put that potential right in front of them. And that leads into our third point. We only risk the potential of choking if we eat something with bones. Now, I'm sure you've heard that spiritual term that is often used in our, in our churches, eat the meat and spit out the bones. Raise your hand. How many of you have heard that before? All right, eat the meat and spit out the bones. Here's the deal. Spiritually speaking, why eat something with bones? The only time you're going to choke on bones is if you put bones in your mouth. You don't put bones in your mouth, you're not going to choke. So why then would I recommend you the possibility of choking, just because you might possibly get something good out of it? Now, I know this, and I know some are going to disagree with most of what I'm saying in this, and that's okay, but just think about it for a second. I want you to seriously get into your mind and think about that thought, why would I recommend something to somebody where they could choke and die? I am not going to look at my two-year-old daughter and give her a fish fillet with bones all in it and say, oh, this is delicious. Take a big bite. I'm not going to do that. You know why? Because I don't want her to choke and die. I want her to live. And so I'm not going to put a bone in her mouth. I just can't do that. It's dangerous. Why then should I do that spiritually? Hey, hey, it's okay to read that book. You can do that. Just eat the meat and spit out the bones. Hey, you can listen to that guy. Just just know, eat the meat and spit out the bones. Well, if I never put the bones in his mouth to begin with, I don't risk him choking. For instance, one of our members, he's been witnessing to his brother. He's been talking to his brother for a while and trying to get him to believe sound doctrine, just talking back and forth. And his brother is a religionist, is what how I would term it. And so the brother was listening to a Calvinist preacher, and our church member warned him. He said, hey, you don't need to listen to that guy. He teaches false doctrine, and the, the brother refused to listen, didn't take his advice. And so just the other day, he told his brother, he said, hey, or the guy who was listening to the guy that our member warned against, 
he called our member, and he they were brothers, of course, and he said, hey, I want you to know I'm a Calvinist. Let me tell you something. Would he have ever become a Calvinist had he not listened to the Calvinist teachers and preachers? No, he wouldn't have. That's not a biblical conclusion you arrive at unless you're taught it. If he had never put a Calvinist teacher into his life, he wouldn't have spiritually choked on false doctrine. So why then should I recommend to people to eat the meat and spit out the bones? I'm giving them the potential to choke. I'm giving them the potential to choke. Therefore, by those three statements, if they have an area of doctrine that is not right, we should avoid them. That's a biblical principle. By recommending those who teach false doctrine, I'm placing a potential stumbling block in front of those who, uh, those baby Christians or other Christians just in general. They don't even have to be babies. And so by doing that, we risk the potential of choking if we only eat something with bones. Therefore, based on those three principles alone, and you may say, well, that's not good enough for me. If that's not good enough for you, friend, I don't know how to help you any further. Because I'm using just simple biblical principles. Here's how many biblical principles, here's how many Bible verses it should take for us to believe something. It should take one. Now, of course, we have to line upon line and precept upon precept. Don't take anything out of context. I'm not saying just rip a verse out and believe that. But I'm saying if God explicitly says it, that's all we should need. That is all we should need. And so I feel like we just gave a very biblical and Bible-based answer on why we cannot recommend those who teach a false doctrine. So that, though, that topic typically brings two replies. Well, here's the first reply. Isn't it a matter of you just interpret the Bible differently than they do? You two just have a, a different interpretation on the passage. It's really just comes down to your interpretation. Here's what 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 20 says, and we're going to talk about this in depth at a later time, but 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 20 says, knowing this first, that no prophecy of, of the scripture is of any private interpretation. The Bible says there isn't private interpretation. There is one interpretation. That means one person is right, one person is wrong. One person is right, one person is wrong. How do you know who's right? Well, you go to the Bible, you compare every piece of the Scripture on top of each other, and you come to the biblical interpretation. There is no other option. You put all the Bible together, you will come to the biblical interpretation. But if you want to pull things out of context, yeah, you can have a different interpretation. But you know what that makes it? Wrong. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. When we, can, when we come to two different interpretations, that simply means one is right and one is wrong. It is not simply a matter of interpretation. There is one interpretation. One person is right, one person is wrong. And the second reply I typically get is, aren't you just judging other people? Aren't you just judging other men of God? Aren't you just judging? Aren't you just a judgmental person? You just sit there on your podcast and you just judge other people. And uh, trust me, we hear that. But here's the deal. They'll throw out Matthew chapter 7, and in response, I'll throw out 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 15. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things. When they throw out Matthew chapter 7, and we are going to deep dive into Matthew chapter 7 at some point, but when they throw out Matthew chapter 7, they say, judge not, but they don't finish the verse, lest ye be judged. If you see a moat in your brother's eye, don't try to pull it out with a beam in your own eye. First, pull the beam out of your own eye, then... Just leave your brother alone. No, it doesn't say that. It says, then go pull the moat out of your brother's eye. The Bible says, don't, don't try to approach somebody on the same subject and try to get it right. For instance, I shouldn't approach somebody who has an occasional drink and say, hey, you're wrong for drinking, and I'm drinking a beer every night of the week. 
I've got to first pull the beam out of my eye, and then I can go talk to them about the mote in their eye. But a spiritual man judgeth all things, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 15. Romans chapter 16 and verse 17, we've said it before, now I beseech you, brethren, mark them, point them out, pick them out. Mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, and avoid them. How can I mark them unless at some point I do judge them? I take a look at their doctrines, and I judge, I make the decision whether it's right or wrong based on the Bible. I think in general we passed across this wrong view of judging in our Christian churches, in our churches rather, in our Baptist churches. We passed along, along this kind of wrong thing that we shouldn't judge other people. Hey, a spiritual man judgeth all things. How are you going to mark them if you don't judge whether they're right and wrong? And so based on those principles and the things we have talked about, does that necessarily make all these men bad and wicked and Satan worshipers? sacrificing cats in their offices. No. But good people doing good things doesn't mean it's God's people doing God's things. And just remember, they can have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. The Bible says, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 5, from such, turn away. You can learn something from everybody, but you don't need to potentially choke just because you're trying to get a little bit of meat. So if they have an area of doctrine that is not right, we should avoid them. And then secondly, we should avoid any possibility of placing a potential stumbling block in the path of other Christians. And then we only risk the potential of choking on bones if we eat something with bones. And so that's my response to why do I only recommend people who teach the same way I do, who teach biblically? Okay, that's really the way I teach and preach. I teach and preach biblically. And I'm willing to defend that till kingdom comes. I, I preach and teach a complete biblical doctrine. I don't pull things out of context. And if, and if anybody says I do, I'd be more than willing to talk with them about that. But I only recommend those who teach a complete Bible, who do not pull things out of context. I can only recommend them. So there's a reason I only recommend people who are independent fundamental Baptists like I am for the listening and uh, listening of their preaching and teaching. And so I think it's a very important topic. And for those of you who have asked that question, that is a good question. Very good question. And I appreciate you asking that. And I hope that makes a little bit of sense on why. Do we not recommend the preaching and teaching of some who maybe they do have some good things to say, but we can't support them? And a very biblical reason why. So that I hope that makes sense to you. You need to be very careful. Remember, you only risk choking if you eat something with bones. Let me ask you a question. Why have to spit out the bones? Don't you think it'd be better to sit down at a spiritual table and just dig in rather than having to dig out? As my great uncle used to say, watch out for the bones. And until next time, keep looking up and keep stirred up for the cause of Christ. <laughs>